hear that? Well, that's the season inching closer by the second. So without further ado, let's get this week's version of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Trust exclusive home. The Cubs checking featuring free ATMs nationwide. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. And like I said, let's get this show on the road. And today, well, it's uh, not just two of us, but there'll be three of us. Andy Martinez, he's joining the crew along with myself and Tony Andraki. And guys, like I said, opening day, it is right around the corner of course taking on the pittsburgh pirates and uh that that's good news as most prognosticators would think because the pittsburgh pirates don't look to be very good this season but of course there's a lot of topics as we head into the campaign that need to be addressed and uh tony andy i want to start at the four slot of course that's in defense we're talking second base and uh right now david bodie he went out there he, he played his heart out and he earned himself a starting position but if you're Nico Horner you start the season in AAA and Tony I know that everyone says it has to do with service time but Nico went out there you know you see his his OPS it was over a thousand the guy he, he did big things he went yard not once but twice hit one out of the park against Arizona but like I said his reward is starting in AAA what, what do you make of that so far? Yeah, I think it really is just such an interesting case, and it has so much to do with Nico's development. Last year, it was a no-brainer because there was going to be no minor league season. There was just the alternate site, and the Cubs had four extra roster spots on the opening day group. So it was a a no-brainer for them to take Nico Horner and everything he could provide the team in terms of defense and speed and everything else, all his versatility. Now, with only 26 guys, it is a little bit different, and you have to weigh in the development fact because this guy is a huge piece of this team moving forward he's part of the next core of guys and you know they they want him to be their second baseman in the future center fielder somewhere in the middle of the infield for for years to come and in order to do so he does have to make some offensive changes beyond just spring training he has to carry that over now he can go get that regular work in at the alternate site and then once the triple a season starts in early may as well and i really like what ross said and how he put that out too like it's david's turn David Bodie has been a bench player and a role player for years coming up through the minor leagues as well. Now he gets a chance to show what he can do playing every day. And I think it's going to be a really intriguing storyline to watch. Andy, what do you say, man? If you're Nico Horner, you go out there and you checked all the boxes headed into the season. You gained some weight. You got a little bit more solid with the stick and the glove. We already know it's been there. He was a gold glove finalist a season ago. And, and that being said, doing everything that was asked of him, he still has to start off the season in AAA. I mean, where's your head at right now if you're Nico Horner? If you're Nico Horner, you, you, he's like the most upbeat, like, you know, like smile on his face type guy. He's like, all right, this is the next challenge. Like, this is this is where this is what I got to do to, to, to get back to the major league level. I've got to improve. I've got to I've got to work on my game. I've got to do this. I got to do that he's going to take this as a, as some, as something to work on and a motivation to, to work towards um, last year, you know, the, the numbers, obviously low 200s batting average uh, struggled, didn't get consistent at bats. He wanted to improve. He went into the off season. He worked on his batting stance. He got bigger. Now I think he'll do this, something similar uh, at the alternate side at AAA, wherever, you know, the, the next few months take him uh, he's going to work on improving his game. And uh, there's no question about that. And, like Tony mentioned, it's David Bodie's turn and the competition at second base. It was really tough this spring. I mean, you had four guys, uh, you include Eric Selgard and Ildemar Vargas, who were, you know, you could have made a case for any four of them, given their numbers in spring. 
and you wouldn't have been you, you it would have been hard to, to deny it given just the spring that all four of those guys had uh, unfortunately you know there had to be some odd men out nico went out to the is going out to the alternate side to triple a uh, likely after that and then ildemar vargas was was designated for assignment so you know there's there's just a lot of a lot of tough decisions around this time with the with the season getting ready to start and it's it's just time for david Bodie, and I, I think he's ready to take this opportunity and run with it all right, guys. Well, we had a special Cubs 360 2021 season look ahead on Tuesday evening. And, you know, one of the guys that we looked at and one of the guys that Dempster said he thought was going to win his Cubs Cy Young for this season. Well, it's Craig Kimbrell. And uh, Andy, when you take a look at the bullpen, we're looking for some big things out of Craig Kimbrell this year because he's the closer only by definition. And also by you take a look at his paychecks and direct deposit each and every other week. I don't mean to get in a man's pockets, but uh, yeah, he's, he's getting paid quite handsomely for his services. But last season, he was third on the team in saves. This year, David Ross and company hoping for a whole lot more production. Yeah, and we, we saw him improve as, as spring uh, as spring went on. Uh, the first his first appearance wasn't wasn't the best. The bullpen is going to be you know one of the one of the key things for the for the Cubs. I mean, we saw it last year. Um, struggled at the beginning of the season, kind of got better, and then towards the in the month of September, they were one of the best bullpens in baseball. Um, the Cubs are hoping that you know this season it's a lot like the month of September, right? Where they're where they're one of the premier bullpens in in baseball, and you know they a lot of the pieces return. Andrew Chafin's back. Craig Kimbrell, obviously, like we mentioned, there. And then they added some new pieces. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the bullpen because there's so many guys that, you know, I think the guys that we see now, there's there's no chance that by the end of the season, it's the same group of guys just given how a season goes and how, you know, the, the length of a season. But they're, they're going to be guys that need to step up, guys that are going to be out at the alternate site that are going to be uh, called upon to, call, to pitch some big innings. And the bullpen is just going to be, you know, such a huge factor with the innings limits that a lot of pitchers are going to face with just the, the weirdness of last season going into a, now back to a normal season. There's going to be a lot of guys that, you know, they're not going to be able to pitch 200 innings, uh, maybe not even 180. So these bullpen arms are going to be huge to, to try and get big outs for the Cubs. Andy, you talked about the, the sheriff, Andrew Chafin, and he's a guy, I mean, I, I tweeted out just a few weeks ago that he, he looks like a guy who works at one of those lonely gas stations, either in the mountains or in the side of a desert road. And when you pull in, he says, nope, no, no more, no more gas until tomorrow. We're all out right now. But you know, one thing that we do know about him is when he comes in the game, he does his job. He does everything that's asked of him. He nails things down, much like another guy who's going to be coming out of the bullpen this season. Last year, he was in that rotation. We saw him throw a no-hitter up there at Wrigley North at uh, American Family Field. So used to call it Miller Park, but uh, that's the name of the park these days, American Family Field. But, of course, I'm talking Alec Mills. And Tony, Alec Mills this year, he's going to be that guy who has to stretch things out. That's if any of the five starters get in trouble. We'll get to Albert Alzali in just a second because he's the man occupying that fifth slot in the rotation. But when it comes to Alec Mills, the adjunct professor, David Ross, once again, just like everybody else in that bullpen, expecting some big things. Yeah, the Cubs are expecting big things from Mills, you know, really throughout the whole year yeah. in the bullpen to start. But honestly, he's going to make some starts this year, too, like health permitting, because the Cubs know that they're going to need innings somehow. And Mills is a guy that can and will provide them for this team. So the trick is with Ross now is is managing all those bullpen pieces, but also keeping away, you know, finding a way to keep Mills stretched out. So he has to be able to work up to two, three innings at a time still so he can pop in that rotation 
rotation, whatever. But also, you know, Russ has, has said he's not going to run from using Mills in a one-inning stint out of the pen either. So, yeah, with all these pieces together, I, I do think the bullpen is kind of shaping up to be a really interesting, kind of underrated part of this team here. And I think really, you know, when you look at the fact that Al's lies in the rotation as well, I just think that this bullpen has from the outside looking in um, there are a lot of people around the game that might think like, Oh, okay. This, you know, there's, um, there's not as much trust built up in this bullpen, but I think that that it's going to be a strength of this team. And I think Ross has proved that as well because of how after the first week or so of last season, he really got settled into to how to use guys, how to pick pockets for different guys in the opposing lineup. And I think he can do that again with this group, with these nine guys that they'll break camp with. Yeah, Alec Mills, he's going to be this year's version of the fireman. He's going to try to put out some of those blazes if they do occur along the way. And something tells me he's going to be ready for each and every single task every step of the way. Now, uh, Andy, a, a guy like Edward Alzali, I mean, we saw him, in spring training, the, the partnership, the camaraderie that he was able to build with Jake Arrieta to be able to pick his brain, a guy who's thrown two no-hitters, a former Cy Young Award winner, that could have been one of the contributing factors of why he nailed down that fifth spot in the rotation. Yeah, he he uh, he had a, a, a good spring as he, you know, the first start, first appearance wasn't the best, and then he worked it up, and then he faced a Dodgers lineup. I mean, that was as tough as a, as, as a lineup you're going to face in spring, and he just mowed him down. Uh, his best performance to come against the defending world champions, that's not too bad. Striking out Mookie Betts, Cody Ballinger, uh, a very good performance. And one thing that was interesting, you know, after he, he had made the team, he, he met with reporters and, you know, he was asked, like, you know, what did you do in the offseason to, to get where, where you're at and to, to be a part of the rotation? And he mentioned, I started to stop thinking like a guy who was just trying to reach the major leagues, and I started to think like a major leaguer. Which is like, you know, to, to us maybe doesn't seem like a like a huge difference, but that is like a that is a huge difference because you go from, you know, worrying about am I going to make the team? Am I going to do like is it what's going to happen? Like, I got to be perfect every outing so I can make the team. He went, OK, like, let me just do my job. Let me, you know, make my pitches, execute my my game plan and the, th the things will work out. And he mentioned one guy that he was looking at a lot was Cal Hendricks, you know. Kyle Hendricks goes in, he gets his work. He watched what he does pregame, what he does in his off day during his throwing program. And he tried to mimic that. You couple in a, a guy like Jake Arrieta to, to, to kind of be that mentor for him. And that's a really, really good, uh, or a really good recipe for success for Albert Alzali. And he's, he's taken his opportunity. And he, I think he's going to show that, that he can run with it. And another thing that was interesting, you know, David Ross mentioned like, Hey, you know, he's not going to be, uh, he's not going to, you know, have, six innings of, of, you know, no run ball, every single outing is just unrealistic. Like he's going to have his bad outings, but the ability to bounce back from those, those outings is huge and something that he has to work on. And he showed that with that Dodgers performance after a rough spring to come in and attack a lineup and get the outs. That's huge for, for Albert Alzali. Absolutely. And Tony, when you look at Albert Alzali, there was an article recently released uh, on the athletic, I believe that said why, why this season could be make or break for Adbert Alzali, I think that may be putting the cart before the horse. He's still a young man, but we know the upside for Adbert Alzali. And when we've seen all the stuff and like, like Andy made mention of, you know, his, his outing versus the, the defending world champions, this guy right here, the sky is the limit to speaking cliches, but when you have stuff like that and you're able to pinpoint it, he's got a pretty special thing going for him. Yeah, I think he does. And the Cubs have, have talked for a while about how much they love his intangibles and his work ethic, uh, everything he brings kind of off the field, the mentality and the, the drive to, to be good. And 
you know, I think that's, that's shown too, by he, he changed his nutrition um, and his diet and his workout plan this winter. In addition to everything Andy talked about, about the mental approach and changing it. And then, yeah, he gets into camp with a guy like Jake Arietta and he tries to watch and learn from everything he can do from, you know, from what Arietta has done in 10 years in the big leagues, a former Cy Young winner, all these different things. So yeah, I, I think, you know, Elzelai has a bright future ahead of him, but this is, you know, it's a it's a really important year for him, both at his development and then to to prove and carve out that he can be a guy that sticks in this rotation long term. You know, he's going to have an innings limit of some sort this year. So there's no guarantee that even if healthy, he's going to stay in the rotation all year. But come 2022 and beyond, the Cubs want this as a guy that they can pencil into the rotation to start every fifth day and move forward. And this is the year that he has to kind of grasp that opportunity and make the most of it. Yeah, no one in the rotation this year will have a personal valet like you Darvish had last year with Victor Caratini. Both of those guys in the home of the Channel 4 News team, now members of the San Diego Padres. But when it does come to Adbury Alzali, he's going to get to throw to one of the best in the game in Wilson Contreras. But when Wilco is not in the game behind the dish, looks to be Austin Romine. So Austin Romine, he, he should be the backup catcher for all intents and purposes for the, the, the season for David Ross. But if things go awry, Tony, which, which way can they go? at backstop yeah so I think you know as we're recording this on Tuesday evening they have not made a move yet uh leading into Thursday's opener but I they've kind of teased that that's going to be something that's coming that they're going to sign a veteran backup of some sort PJ Higgins is the option the internal option uh should they not find anybody on the waiver wire or free agency that they that they want to add for a little bit more experience but yeah Higgins is a guy they're high on for sure and and I do believe that he's going to impact the catching situation at some point this year, but he has not made his big league debut yet. And, and for a team that does have, you know, some aspirations on, on winning their second straight division title, I think they want some experience back there. So they're trying to see how things shake out and see if there's some more veteran experience out there available. And if so, that might be the guy that we see as the backup, a guy that's not currently on the roster as we record. Okay. Well, what do you think, Andy? W will it be a case of maybe that third catcher? Would they be on the roster or would they be at that alternate location, a AKA the bat cave? Yeah, I think the, the, the third catcher, just given that we're back down to the 26 man roster is going to be back at the alternate side. Um, what's another interesting point that is brought back in, in the 2021 season that was uh, around for the 2020 season is the taxi squad and, you know, having a, a catcher on that taxi squad when, when they go on the road will be, will be interesting too. And, and, you know, something to keep an eye on something that's going to be important, but yeah, I think just given that the, the rosters are back down to 26, you're going to go with two catchers. You're going to go with Wilson Contreras. And, and like Tony mentioned, it's going to be interesting, um, you know, as cuts are starting to be made across the league, you know, what veteran catchers are, are available. Uh, you know, Jonathan Lucroy could be a, an option. Robinson Trinos was let go by the Yankees. Someone, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to go out and sign one of those two guys, but someone of that ilk is is a potential to be the backup catcher if they decide to go from uh, 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 towards an external option. Okay, guys. Now, as we take a look towards 2021, you know, I looked up and down this lineup, one through nine, and, and there's pop at every turn of the corner. And, you know, when you look at some of the predictions that all these different outlets have had for the Cubs, I mean, it seems to be all over the board. Pakoda, 85 wins. Fangraphs, I'm really disappointed with Fangraphs right now. <laughs> they had the Cubs at 78 wins. There's absolutely no way in the world with all these sticks in the lineup, if everyone stays healthy, that this team will be an under 500 ball club USA Today, 82 wins. ESPN Power Rankings, I like where their head's at. They have them at 91 wins. And then the odds makers, they have them right at a 500 ball club. 
78 and 79. So, uh, Tony, what do you think? Well, why all the back and forth? Why are there so many numbers that skew all over the board? Yeah, I think it, it points to the fact that this is going to be such a difficult year to predict and, and try to forecast because we've never seen this before. We've seen strike shortened years, but we've never seen a 60 game season followed by a 162 game season. So I think there's, you know, there's serious question marks about depth, about health, particularly when it comes to teams pitching staffs. And, you know, I, I do think too, as, as the game is built around velocity now and that pure stuff, I think some of these computer systems or maybe even some people who aren't ingrained in watching the Cubs every day, they might look at this rotation or some of these pitchers and think, oh, they don't have the stuff or they don't light up the radar gun as much as some of the other ones. And maybe they're down on them as a result. You know, that's maybe where like the 78, 79 wins come in. And then, you know, it also depends on the fact that if if the Cubs are not where they want to be in July, if they make trades and then the last two months of the season are, are quite a bit different. But I think internally the Cubs have, have a ton of, they, they have high hopes for this season. They have their sights set on a second straight division title. They think their pitching staff can, can get by with that pitch ability, not only get by, but thrive with that pitch ability, with location, with, with getting weak contact to that amazing defense behind them. So the Cubs are, are fine with whoever says, you know, things outside it. Jason Hayward talked early in spring about he loves being a team that's not picked to win. So they don't really care about the outside noise, but I do think this is going to be a really difficult year to predict. Yeah, this year's ball club looking to take a page from the 07-08 and 16-17 teams and repeat as NL Central champions for the first time in a few years. And Andy, when, when you look at some of these, these, these prognostications, like we said, I mean, when you see 82 wins from USA today, 78 from fan graphs, I mean, you were down there in Arizona, you saw this team up close and personal. They, they have to be penciled in for a whole bunch more than that. Yeah. The, the 78, 79 really, you know, almost shocked me like that. Like that's really low. And, and, you know, at, at, at first instinct, I'm like, well, like that's, that's way too low. And then yeah. if you think about it as, from an outsider's perspective, if, if you hardly watch Cubs baseball, I, I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Like you Darvish is gone. Victor Caratini is gone. Chris Bryant, uh, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez are all coming off career worst year. So like, I, I can, I guess kind of see where it's coming from, but you know, I don't think those three guys are going to have career worse years again this year. I, you know, I, I think Kyle Hendricks is one of the most underappreciated pitchers in all of baseball, especially as a starter. Um, Zach Davies, another guy who's really underappreciated. If you look at his numbers the last two years, one of the, one of the better pitchers in baseball, you know, you're looking at guys who they have the potential to at the very worst, you know, I think go 500 and I think they'll, they'll, they'll be better than that. So like that, that number seems pretty low. Um, the 91 is, is really interesting because, you know, I think if, if every, everything goes right, then yeah, 91 seems, I guess, kind of realistic, but I, you know, that, that 85 to, to 88 win range is probably realistic for the Cubs. And, you know, they'll probably be getting for more, like Tony mentioned, like these guys are all playing, you know, they want to show that, you know, going back to 162, that he, this is what we can do. This Chris Bryant, this is what he can do. Javi Baez, this is what he can do. Like they're, they're out to prove that, Hey, you know, 2020 was a fluke. And what's, what's even more incredible, if you think about it, like the core is still here from the 2020 team that, you know, finished first in the NL Central above 500. So to think that they're going to go from above 500 to below 500 because of a starting pitcher and the catcher being gone, like, I don't know, there's, there's just some uh, disconnection, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and that core also, they were all key components in, in winning a World Series back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, most of these guys all on the right side of 30. So that's 
always a plus. Now, of course, opening day, taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. One guy who's making a splash for that Buccos team, it's Key Brian Hayes. We're going to hear his name a whole lot as the season rolls on. But when it comes to the rest of the squad, just a, a lot of pedestrian players. So but when it comes to the Central, I think we can put them in as the cellar dwellers. So, Andy, I want to start with you. I want you to predict the Central. Wh- which way do you see things stacking up? All right, so this is, you know, I'm sorry, Cubs fans, for for this one, but I think the Brewers are going to finish first in the Central. I think the Cubs are going to finish second. I think the Cardinals are a little overvalued. Um, I think they're going to be, they're going to be third in the division. The Reds are, are fourth, just given the the there's so many question marks up and down the, the Reds. Uh, the bullpen is you know almost non-existent, uh, and then the Pirates, you know, cellar dwellers. Uh, just given the state where they're at, they're you know their best player played you know less than half a season and last year by WAR. You, Brian Hayes was a 1.9 WAR and he was the highest on the on the Pirates. <laughs> he played less than half a season, so you know I I think the Brewers are are quietly you know i kind of snuck up on me i was looking at their roster i'm like they added colton wong they had a jackie bradley jr uh and then you you think about you know christian yelich had a really down season i think he's gonna bounce back corbin burns and brandon woodruff are, are a good one-two punch at the top of the rotation and you know we know what devin williams and josh Hader are at the back of that bullpen so that's a that's a pretty quietly good team up in milwaukee um the cardinals no i think you know nolan Arenado is a huge ad but you know, last year we saw it was Paul Goldschmidt and, and the offense was, was you know, it was kind of around Paul Goldschmidt. No one Arenado's back, but I think there's just still a lot of question marks on that line, that Cardinals lineup. Yeah, Paul Goldschmidt certainly was the tastemaker for St. Louis, but Colton Wong, he's going to be somebody that they will miss. And uh, Milwaukee, of course, they, they will love the services they've acquired from that former Gold Glove winner right there. All right, Tony, what do you think? Who, who do you see winning the Central this season? Is, is it the Cubs? Because that's where I'm going right now. Yeah, so actually my my pick is very similar to what Andy had, but I, I have the Cubs on top. I think the Cubs and Brewers, it really comes down to that last week of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, I, I think the Cubs experience and um, and maybe their depth comes to play too. You know, I, I like the Brewers depth in some areas, but and everything, you know, Andy just mentioned it. Like I think Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are two guys that are going to be in the NL Cy Young race this year. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I think the Brewers, they have good depth, but I also agree with Andy that I think the Cardinals are a little bit overrated right now. And, you know, obviously anytime you add Nolan Arenado, that's a huge boost to the team, but, you know, they've had some serious pitching injuries the last couple of years too, that, that will impact them and have some ripple effects for this season. And then, you know, as Andy mentioned too, they just have some lineup questions. So I think they're in third, the Reds just have a bunch of questions overall. And, you know, that when you're talking about Sonny Gray, possibly not starting the year on time due to his back, uh, Trevor Bauer leaving Iglesias, their closer, Archie Bradley, their top relief face. Like they lost a lot of players and didn't really add anybody over the winter. So they're like firmly in fourth place for me. And then obviously the Pirates are in last, but Ultimately, I think it's a Cubs Brewers Cardinals kind of showdown like it has been the last few years with the Cubs experience and, and winning culture winning out. Absolutely. And it's a three horse race. Like you said, Tony, that's how it usually plays out in the NL Central. But I, I see it Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, Reds, and then, of course, the Buckles holding things down. But it's it, when I have to go out there on a limb and if I had to take my, my guesses, I would go with St. Louis only because St. Louis seems to be a thorn in the side. I know last season, the Cubs, they split the bill five and five, but in 2019, they were nine and 10 versus St. Louis. So those head to heads, they're going to be all important. And of course, with Nolan Arenado, what an addition he will be, but with him and Paul Goldschmidt holding down those corners, that's maybe not enough, but we will see. I don't think that the, the Cardinals are going to be able to win the division. Like I said, 
I think I see the Cubs taking the cake there. And, and no Dexter Fowler in addition to Colton Wong in St. Louis, also a big punch right there for the Redbirds. So, all right, guys, we, we handed out some, some awards when it came to our season preview show on Tuesday evening on Marquee Sports Network. And uh, MVP, that was one of them. So, Tony, what do you think? Who's going to be your MVP this year for the Cubs? I think it's Wilson Contreras. I, I just wrote a piece on this on our website at marqueesportsnetwork.com. Is, is that why, or is, are you just trying to drive traffic to, to the article? You know, a little bit of both, a little bit of cross-promotion, <laughs> okay. right. self-promotion, you. you know, whatever you can do. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think Wilson is uh, – he's the most important player on this team, I believe, if you had to just pick one guy. And I think it's because of his defense and his work with the pitchers. He's the guy that's going to guide this staff and a lot of new arms, all the pitch ability from the, from the guys that we talked about earlier too and then offensively he has the potential to be the best catcher best hitting catcher in the game so I think Wilson Contreras is is number one you know going to be the MVP this year and and I do think a guy like Kyle Hendricks because he is the ace of that staff they can't afford to lose him for any period of time so I think he's it's kind of like a 1A 1B type of situation there. Andy how about you who's your team MVP in 2021? You know, I, I thought about going with, you know, one of the, the conventional picks of Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, or Javi Baez, but I, I'm sold after the spring. I'm going with Jock Peterson. Um, I think he's going to hit a ton of home runs. I think he's going to he's going to just be he's going to be loved in Wrigley Field. I think he's going to love Wrigley Field for, you know, not only the fans, but just being able to hit the ball out of the park when the wind's blowing out. Um, I think he's going to be a, a great middle of the bat for for the for the Cubs. He can play great left field. And I'm just – I'm excited to see what Jack Peterson does for the Cubs. And I think he can have a really, really big season for the Cubs. And, you know, if they, if they, if they make it to, to the playoffs, I think, you know, Cubs fans got to get, get, get excited for some Jocktober. Oh, you're, you're already laying the groundwork there. Before you call him <laughs> Jocktober. All right, I, I see what you did there. I, I thought you and I were on the same page from the very beginning, but uh, we had a, a little different – when it comes to our thoughts, I'm going with Jason Hayward. We, we're on the you know the first letter with the, with the G. when you when you were saying yeah. Jock, I thought you were going to go Jason Hayward. But every single season that Jason Hayward's been in a Cubs uniform, all we've seen him do is get better each and every single season. And last year, well, he provided tons of punch. You talked about Josh Hader up there in Milwaukee. If there's one guy who would love to see him back there on the bump again, it's Jason Hayward. We know how that catapulted the Cubs to that division title late in the season last year. Now, Andy, if, if there's three guys also who are going to be important players to this Cubs success this season, who are the three most important guys outside of your team MVP and Jock Peterson? Yeah, I think yeah, I'll, I'll go with the conventional, right? Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez. You know, if they, if they, if, if they have a, if they have bad years like they did last year, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a long season for the Cubs. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think they're going to bounce back. And I think just how big of a bounce back they have is going to dictate, you know, how successful the Cubs are. If they, they return to their uh, MVP caliber levels. I mean, the, the, the central could be over by, by August, right? Like the race could be over by August, just given the numbers that they can put up. Um, if they, if they have a, a somewhat, uh, you know, if somewhere in the middle between uh, of a bounce back, who knows, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a dogfight with the Brewers and the Cardinals, but you know, those three guys are, are key to, to the, to the Cubs offense. You know, we can say all we want about Ian Happ and, and Jock Peterson and Jason Hayward, but you know, if those, those big three bats aren't going, you know, you know, the off the Cubs offense isn't going. All right, Tony Touch, what do you say, man? Give me your three pillars of importance when it comes to David Ross and this season's Cubs success. Yeah, you know, beyond Wilson and and Hendricks, as I mentioned, I think Hayward is a great choice as well. Um, 
But I, I really think, you know, it comes down to Javi Baez and the defense he provides. Every time they shift at all, but every time the Cubs shift, he's the guy that's in the outfield grass, whether it's on the right side of the field or the left, he's, he's their most important defender. Uh, and, and they use him to try to get the, uh, from a team that turned the most ground balls into outs last year, he's the, the most important part of that. And then I think Anthony Rizzo's at bat and his consistent approach is also huge to this team. It's something that everybody looks at. And then Jake Arrieta, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be the MVP, but I think when you look at what he could provide to this team, if he is able to get back to somewhat of the form, not that he's going to have a 170 RA, but if he is able to turn back the clock the way he thinks and the Cubs think he can, then it changes the entire complexion of this pitching staff in this rotation. So I think Arietta is a very, very important part of this mix. And, and if he's a guy that we saw in a Cubs uniform and not the guy that was plagued by some injuries in a Phillies uniform the last few yep. years, I think this pitching staff is a lot better than some people think. Okay, Tony, since you're talking Jake Arrieta and guys that are out there on that hill, who do you think is going to be this year's team Cy Young? I, the easy answer is Kyle Hendricks. And once one of these categories that come up, I'll get into that a bit more. But I, I think Zach Davies is going to surprise people as well. I think David Ross called him kind of like a light Kyle Hendricks, which is how Davies has been compared and, and throughout his entire career. He has been compared to Hendricks a bit with their velocities about the same, their ability to use change-ups. Uh, their their intellect coming into a huge factor as well but yeah I think Davies he had an awesome spring I mean he the first eight innings or whatever that he threw he didn't even give up a hit so yep. he's looked really good he looks like he's in like prime form and he's about to head into a free agent year as well so I think he's very motivated I think he ultimately can be the, the Cubs Cy Young this year after the obvious choice of Hendricks. Yeah, guys like like Davies and Hendricks and Mills, they, they pitch to contact, they hit their spots, they keep guys out front and off balance, and that's the pitching equivalent of playing a little small ball. And, Andy, you know I love a little small ball. Anytime you can manufacture and, and create runs and wreak havoc out there on the base paths, and it, it, it's always a feather in the cap, but out there on the mound, when you're out there and you're getting those guys to roll over and, and, and put one over there, to, to the second base side and make easy outs and, and let your fielders do half of the work. It makes it that much easier. So when it comes to you, who's your team Cy Young? You know, I, it was, I, I was going back and forth. I wanted to go with Zach Davis, but since, since Tony took him, I, I you know, I don't want to repeat exactly Steve. what he said. Cause Steve. I, you know, yeah, he I'm going to go big. Yeah. I'm going to go swing. I'm going to swing for the fences and I'm going to hope I hit a home run. I'm going Craig Kimball. I think he's going to have a big bounce back here. Um, these last two years. I mean, talk about the, the strangest years for, for a pitcher, right? You know, 2019, he's not signed until, what was it, June? You know, it doesn't have a spring training. It doesn't can't get you in the flow of things. And when he finally gets in there, he's in the middle of a, of a playoff race. 2020, COVID pandemic, everything gets shut down. Uh, again, when he starts pitching, he's it's, it's a playoff race, essentially, in the 60-game season. This year, now he has a spring training to, you know, work his way into it. He's got the full the full 162, you know, where he can, you know, he'll have he'll have his ups and downs and over the course of 162, I think it'll balance out. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna swing for the fences. I think Craig Kimbrell is gonna be, you know, a lockdown closer that the that the Cubs signed when or expected when they first signed him. Okay. Well, apparently Andy, great minds think alike because Ryan Dempster, he went with Craig Kimbrell as his 2021 Cubs Cy Young Award winner. He said this season expect some big things of a guy who's inside of that top 15 all time when it comes to major league saves. All right, Andy, I want to stick with you because when it comes to a guy who's going to have a breakout campaign in 2021, who's going to be in your eyes? Yeah, for me, it's Edward Alzali, right? You know, everything that we talked about earlier, his nutrition, the mentality, 
now he has Jake Arietta as a mentor. One of the things that he mentioned that was really important, that was really key, uh, he mentioned the mentality switch of thinking that he was trying to be a big leaguer and becoming a big leaguer, right? And acting like a big leaguer. Uh, that's a huge mentality shift that, you know, you kind of don't think about like when you're, you're trying to be a major leaguer, you, you know, you're worried about every pitch or you're worried about being perfect so that you make the team. But as a major leaguer, you know, when you think about a major leaguer, you're just trying to execute your game plan, trying to do your job and letting the results fall because the results will, will come. That's one thing that Albert Alzali stressed upon. And I think that's one thing, that's one of the reasons he'll be one of the breakout candidates for the Cubs this season. Yeah, and there's going to be roughly 10,000 fans in attendance, and they will be, they'll all be out there cheering like they're 40,000 strong at the friendly confines. So, breakout guy for you, Tony. Who is it this year? Yeah, I think Elsele is a good choice. Uh, David Bodie also now getting an everyday role, at least to start, yeah. the, to, to start the season, I think is a good option. Trevor Williams is another guy I thought about, but I think it's Jason Adam. I think Adam is going to be a guy that's going to become like a relief ace for this team. He's going to be a high leverage option in the eighth inning setting up for Craig Kimbrell. And I think he's a guy that beyond this year can actually be a closing option for this team as you look like big picture. So I think Adam, he just has amazing stuff. I mean, I, I can't really get away from the fact that he has a 90 mile an hour changeup and good breaking stuff. And I remember in spring training, one of the first live BPs I saw him throw, he threw against Matt Duffield, DeMar Vargas, a couple other guys. He only threw maybe about 15 pitches and he was just, I mean, everything was perfect. He was dotting the knees outside corner. Guys could barely even follow it off, off of him. And he was supposed to throw more, but at the end of it, the Cubs coach that was out there was like, nah, man, just stop. Like, and not even just end on a good one. Like you want to do in a cage. He's like, what more can you achieve from a bullpen right now? And that's the way that Adam looked a lot this spring. I think he was locked in. I think he's a guy that the Cubs are very, very high on internally. And I think he's a guy that's going to make himself known nationally this season. Okay. My breakout player 2021 is a guy who's not even going to start the season on the big league roster. It's Nico Horner. N Nico Horner. What, what did he do all spring training long? All he did was go out there and play a solid brand of baseball. And once he is called up, I think he's going to take full advantage of every single opportunity that is given to him. Now, when it comes to comeback player this year, Tony, we know that there's three pillars that are in their, their walk year this season, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Javi Baez. So who do you think is going to be the comeback player of the year? For me, it's all about health. And I think Chris Bryant last year that, you know, he obviously struggled, but he only played 34 games. And so I think he's going to be healthy this year. And with health, he can get back to the guy that was, you know, the MVP in 2016, rookie of the year in 2015 and so on. And, and the all-star even in 2019 as well. So I think Bryant's my choice for, for comeback player of the year, just because of health and how that factors in. Yeah, how about you, Andy? Chris Bryant, he's enjoyed success every step of the way. I don't see him having a season anywhere near like he had in 2020, but uh, that's really here nor there. That, that was Tony's pick for comeback player of the year. How, how about you? Who are you rolling with, man? I'm going with Javi Baez. You know, I think he's going he's gonna to go back to those MVP levels. Uh, I think he's going to play some rock-solid defense. I think overall this team's going to be really good defensively, one of the better teams defensively in baseball. And I think his defense is going gonna, is gonna to propel him. And I think the bat – is going to, is going to come along and we're going to get back to, you know, the 900, 850, whatever OPS that, that we are accustomed to seeing from hobby buys. And I think he will be uh, uh, the bounce back player for the Cubs and, and, and expect what we expected in 2020 from hobby bias. Okay. Andy, what say you when it comes to the biggest surprise this season, because there's, there's a lot of things that 
people are thinking about out there when it comes to expectations. But if there's you know one that's coming from behind the back of the pack, what, what's that surprise for you? I, I think I'm going to surprise a lot of people with this one, but I think I'm going to go with Shelby Miller. I think Shelby Miller um, come, come out maybe midway through the season, later on in the season, I think he's going to be, whether he's starting games or coming in relief pitching uh, an inning or two or three, he's going to be pitching some big innings for the Cubs. He looked really good in spring. You know, looking back on it, I was kind of shocked when he was when he didn't make or when he was sent back to minor league cap. But looking back on it, it, it makes sense, right? You know, he, he didn't pitch in 2020. Uh, the, the innings limit he's going to have is going to be a lot smaller than, than any pitcher probably uh, this season. I think he's he's going to end up pitching some big innings because he's looked really good in spring. And, and I think, you know, guys like him uh, are going to benefit from the pitch lab and, and from working at the alternate site and getting their stuff back. And and I think he's going to be uh, a, a big surprise for, for the Cubs and for, for the rotation and, and for the bullpen, wherever he fits in right for the Cubs this season. Okay. My, my biggest surprise this season will be at the all-star break. The home run leader on the club will be David Bodie. So surprise, surprise. Tony, that how about you, surprise. man? Yeah, no, that's interesting. I honestly, I can see it happening, especially as you talk about like, only a three month sample size. Like we'll see. Um, I think the, the bullpen it's so fickle. So like, I know people aren't necessarily looking at the Cubs bullpen and thinking it's a dominant group. I think it certainly can be, but the rotation, so many people are sleeping on this Cubs rotation. And personally, after watching these guys, I just, I don't buy that. I buy what the Cubs are selling in terms of the fact that they like what the pitching infrastructure and the game planning can do, what the defense can do behind this contact oriented group. I mean, we saw guys like Zach Davies and Trevor Williams and then Jake Arrieta return to the team. These newcomers come in and they performed really well. And spring training stats don't matter, but these guys are, you know, putting the ball where they want to. They're throwing a lot of strikes. They were they performed and checked all the boxes that I think were were really important for this team. And then you have Alzali and like Andy just mentioned, Shelby Miller, Alec Mills as well to to kind of augment that rotation. But I think this is a this is a rotation that gets slept on way too much. And I think it's going to surprise a lot of people this year. Okay, now, guys, I was going to ask you, give me a player who you think will be the most impactful that isn't starting off with the big club. But can we all just agree to agree on Nico Horner? Is that where everyone's going with that one? I mean, or do you guys have something else? I, for me, I mean, I agree with you on Nico. I think Shelby Miller, for all the reasons Andy talked about, I think those are the two guys for me that they're going to come back. They're going to come up and make a huge impact on this team. Andy, how yeah, and I, I assume I assume there'll be a bullpen arm that that we just you know, don't, but there's Pedro Strope, someone like that, that, you know, comes in and, and pitches well, Brad Wick. I don't know, like the, the bullpen, given, you know, how much bullpens fluctuate in baseball, uh, that, that could be a possibility. But yeah, Nico Horner and Shelby Miller are, are easily the, 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 the two locks, in my opinion. Okay. I was thinking maybe a guy like Brennan Davis on the outside uh, edge, but uh, if, if he comes up and he makes an impact, that means that something has gone wrong <laughs> with the rest of the season because we're still watching him develop into the young talented prospect that he is all right Andy how about your bold prediction this year a little bit different from this year's biggest surprise the bold prediction for the Cubs here this is this Go is bold uh, now. make it bold bold all right this is all right the Cubs are going to make the NLCS upsetting the dot they're going to beat the Padres in the wild card game and then they're going to Zach Davies Kyle Hendricks they're going to stifle that that Dodgers lineup in the in the NLDS and they're going to make the NLCS um, I don't, I, it was too bold for me to go to world series just cause I think, you know, that's, you know, I think I'm already going out on a limb with them beating the Dodgers and then in an LDS, but that's my bold prediction. Oh, hold on a second, Andy, if, if they beat the Padres and the Dodgers, who else is there for them to that, really even beat? I mean, you know, and, and who and, else could they be a match for? Well, that's the thing, you know, I go 
back to the 2015 Cubs, right, where, you know, they went through the wild card, they got to the DS, and then they kind of ran out of steam in that, that NLCS. And obviously they faced a really, really good pitching staff from the Mets. Um, you know, I, I guess if I'm if I'm picking them, then I may as well pick them for the World Series. So, all right, fine. Cole, you convinced me. They're going to the World Series. I, I, I told you to go bold. I told you to go <laughs> That's bold. That's bold. exactly what I asked of you. And, and Andy, you delighted the crowd. How about you, Tony? What, what's your bold prediction this year, man? Kyle Hendricks, National League Cy Young. I, Ooh, hold I it do now. not – is that what? I said, hold it now. I, I like where your head's at. Yeah, no, I, I think I am stunned. Like, I actually put a bet in even before I went down to Arizona – because I, I saw the odds, plus 6,600 for Hendricks is what I got. That was insane. I don't remember what it was. It was somewhere like 45th on the list of guys in the National League. That's insane. 45th best starting pitcher in the National League, Kyle Hendricks? No way. Like Jake Arrieta was above him. Zach Davies was above him and had better odds too. So I definitely put some money down on that right away. And, and I think to me, we've seen what Hendricks can do. He has a sub-3-5 ERA basically every year that he's been a big league starting pitcher, he has an ERA title. But I think the other thing working in his favor too, is he's exactly the kind of guy that can go over 175, 180 innings this year, as everybody else has these pitching workloads and innings limits. He's a guy that can actually rival that and and very well could lead the major lead the major leagues in innings pitch. So I think Hendricks is, is a guy that's very real as a Cy Young contender. And I think he can pull it off this year. Okay, my bold prediction, I'm, I'm going Jock Peterson. He becomes a member of the 40 Home Run Club. He's going to do He's never done it before in his career. He's never gone deep to the tune of 40-plus. But this year, we're going to see it. Maybe maybe it's 40. Maybe it's somewhere around the 45 number because what we've seen from him out of spring training, and I know they say don't put too much stock in spring training, but even when he was taking the live BP, I mean, he was out there hitting absolute tanks and uh, hoping some of that carries over to the regular season. We will see. Only time will tell. But when it comes to a bold prediction for the 2021 Major League Baseball season overall, Tony, open that umbrella and get, and paint it with a wide brush. What are you going with? Mets as your World Series champs. I'm buying all the Francisco Lindor. Uh, you know, I love what, like, Carlos Carrasco, once he's healthy and, and back on the mound. I like their pitching depth. Uh, I just, I mean, the lineup, when I look at it, you know, guys like Conforto and Brandon Nimmo don't necessarily get the the national claim that they should. Hey, Alonzo, he rakes. Yeah, right. Bit. Alonzo, Lindor, like, this is a really, really good team. And I think they actually go, you know, finally get over the top this year and make some noise in the playoffs. And I don't, I don't know if you hear that right now, Tony, but uh, yeah, that, that's Steve Cohen, the new owner of the, of the Mets. He's printing money as we speak right now. So, of course, a lot of Metropolitans fans, they, they like your bold prediction for Major League Baseball in 2021. How about you, Andy? Where are you going, man? Well, you know, I, since the – I can't pick an NL team now since my bold prediction is that the Cubs are going to make the World Series. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I here's here's a really bold prediction. I don't think the Yankees make it out of the wild card game. Um, I think the, the AL East is going to be a dogfight. And so, I, you know, it's very possible that the, the Yankees don't, you know, don't even win the AL East. They're, you know, outside of, you know, I think – Garrett Cole is obviously a great pitcher, starting pitcher, one of the premier aces in baseball. But, you know, that that pitching staff is – there's kind of a lot of question marks if you if you look at it. I think they, they don't make it out of the wild card game in a one-game playoff. Anything could happen. That's my bold prediction. Yankees are not making it out of the wild card. And, you know, come October when I'm wrong, I'll, you know, I'll eat it, but whatever. <laughs> come on, Andy. You got to believe in yourself, man. If you don't believe in yourself, who else is going to believe in you and your bold prediction? I'm going – I'm going bold. So, yeah, you know, when, when, when it's right – then everyone can come back and you know say I was right. So there we go. Okay. 
Okay, well, I'm going bold. It's like some A1 steak sauce over here. I'm, I'm going Shohei Otani for the, the Angels and Joe Madden. I'm saying he's going to win 15 games on the mound, and he's going to hit 30 home runs. I, I, I don't know if, if that's stepping out into the, that, that bold neck of the woods, but with the guys as talented as they come, I mean, he, he can go out there, he can hit bombs to dead central, and then he steps on the mound, and then, oh, by the way, here's 99-100 if, if you think you can hit that. So 15 wins for Shohei and 30 home runs. We'll see. I, if I'm not mistaken, we'll have to have our, our researcher at, at Marquee Sports Network, Chris Antonacci, look up the last time a guy was a double threat like that. We might have to go all the way back to the George Herman, uh, you know him as Babe Ruth days. So we, we will see how Shohei pays off in 2021. Now, when it comes to this Cubs team and, and the aspect that is really piquing your interest, uh, and, Andy, what, what has you the most curious as we get starting and set to embark upon a new campaign? Tony mentioned, I'm excited to see what this bullpen can do because I think there's so many guys, whether it's on the roster, on the opening day roster, or at the alternate side, I think the bullpen's going to be huge. And, you know, it's got the potential to be a a really good bullpen, a really, you know, overlooked bullpen. You know, I think there's so many guys uh, that that we haven't even talked about. You know, you mentioned like a Dan Winkler, Rowan Wick, when he gets back from from an injury, Kyle Ryan, when he gets back from injury, like there's so many guys that I think could be really big outgetters for for the Cubs this season. And, you know, I, I, it's going to be intriguing to watch just what this bullpen can do and, and how effective they are over a 162 season. Tony Tone, what's piquing your curiosity this season, man? Uh, 162, like Andy said, it's going to be a fun one this year, especially with fans in attendance. Yeah, well, and, and fans being in attendance, I think it's just going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be so huge. These guys are jacked up. David Ross said he literally cannot wait. And, I mean, I'm with him on that. Like, I can't wait for, for there to be more than 10,000 that we're inspecting on opening day later in the year, sometime down the road. So that's interesting. But I think it's the defense. Defense is paramount here for this team. And they won the team gold glove last year. They had multiple gold glove winners in, in Javi and Rizzo. But – they have to do it again and they have to do it over the 162 game season, as we just mentioned, because this pitching staff is going to pitch the contact. There are going to be a lot of balls put in play. They're expecting it to be weak contact, but either way, they still have to turn that into outs and, you know, offense is going to come and go pitching will probably come and go at some, some spurts too, but defense is one thing that can be there on an everyday basis. And the Cubs have, have quality defenders all over the place. They like the strides that Hap has made in center. We already have talked about what Hayward can provide Uh, Chris Bryant. They really liked how he played defense last year. And then Jock Peterson is a center fielder by trade, basically playing left field. And, you know, that is an upgrade over Kyle Schwarber and what we've seen the last couple of years. And then you got guys like Marisnik on the bench. And, um, you know, Eric Silgard has looked really good this spring playing all over shortstop, second base, third base. So I think defense, it, it's, it's going to be a huge key for this Cubs team. And if they're able to provide the consistency that they want, I think they're going to go where they want to go this season in October. Yeah, and Cameron Mabin also signing a minor league deal. He'll be at the alternate site, so things go awry. Just like Brendan Davis, as we spoke about earlier, Cameron Mabin, he'll be able to come up and provide, you know, just a guy who can you can pretty much put in in any situation. He'll also provide that veteran leadership. So as we saw last season, that'll certainly be a feather in the cap of David Ross. But, you know, one thing that I'm really curious to see is how the fans are going to play a part. Once again, you know, we talked about it as the season gets – Underway, there's going to be 10,000 fans at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field. And being that Wrigley is one of the smaller ballparks in Major League Baseball, those 10,000, they're, they're going to feel like they're 30,000, maybe 35, maybe 40,000. just depends on the time of day and, and how many adult beverages have been ingested. Because we, we know, as David Bodie said, 
Yeah, for the opposition, a game at Wrigley Field, the friendly confines, well, they can become unfriendly real quick, and things can certainly unravel in a hurry. Now, when we take a look at this regular season schedule, guys, before we get out of here, Tony, is there any one series in particular that you're saying, okay, get me that Sharpie, take the cap off, and let's circle it loud and proud? Which one is it? May 17th through the 20th at Wrigley, the Nationals come to town, and I think it's going to be super interesting because we got Schwarber, John Lester returning to Wrigley. As you just mentioned, fans are there. So I'd love to see what the fans, how the fans greet Lester because he didn't have that send-off moment with the Cubs like he like he didn't with the Red Sox either, as he mentioned with the trade um, to the A's in that part of his career. So I think that's going to be a really cool aspect. And just that alone, plus I think it's going to be a really important series for both teams as you're looking at Memorial Day being an important and vital benchmark to see where a team stands, if they're contenders or, or pretenders. And I think both the Cubs and Nationals really want to be contenders. So to see that, you know, another guy like Sterling Castro, former Cub coming back, I think it's going to be fun for fans, but it's also going to be an important series for the standings. Hey, Mark, how about you, man? Which uh, series this season are you sticking a thumbtack in? I'm going to the first uh, series in June, uh, the, the San Diego Padres come into town. It's going to be uh, the Padres. I mean, obviously we know what they've done in the off season. They were, they were, they won the off season. Right. And they're, they're, they're everyone's, you know, Cinderella or I'm not, not Cinderella, but they're everyone's, you know, the darling pick uh, in major league baseball for all that they've done. Um, that's a really big series because, you know, obviously they, they host the, 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 the Padres and they're, they're as good as they are. But then after that, you know, they go to San Francisco, then they go to San Diego and then they come right back home and they face the Cardinals. So it, it's, it's just a grueling stretch. And, and like Tony mentioned, you know, that's when you, that, that part of May, you start seeing the contenders and pre- pretenders. That's a huge, you know, two week stretch for the, for the Cubs where you're facing, you know, the Padres you're facing, you're going on a West coast trip and then you come back and you face your division rival uh, at home. That's, that's going to be the start of a, of, a, of an important uh, stretch of games for the Cubs early on in the season. Yeah. Taking on Fernando Tatis Jr. And him coming off of that, that uh, 17 year deal worth $543 million. No, 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 it's, it's not that big. It's not that long, but we do know it is quite lucrative and it is lengthy, but you know, we know that he's one of the stars in the game and it's going to be fun to watch Javi Baez versus Fernando Tatis Jr. at shortstop and see who gets the better of that matchup. And, uh, you know, for me, guys, I don't, I don't know if you even care, but I'm just going to let it be known anyways. If, if there's one series that I have to, to circle, it's not just one in particular. I'm circling on 162 because every single game is important from front to back. And, you know, if, if we could all have our way, of course, we could win 162. But I see this Cubs team coming in a whole lot better than a lot of those projections. I think I might have to go with that projection coming out of Bristol, Connecticut, and the Cubs winning 91 games because I think that this team is going to cause a lot of problems for everybody league-wide. And with those 162, especially with fans in attendance, this year is going to be fun for all. Myself, Andy, Tony, you the same. And I can't wait for opening day because it is just inches away. And once things get started, hope springs eternal. Everyone's zero and zero. And that's the fun part of it. But the Cubs, they'll be a whole lot better than zero and zero once the season and all the dust finally settles. So, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast. But remember, on Thursday, opening day, we're going to hit you with a special pregame live. That's Cubs Live. It's two hours long. So we're coming to you live and direct before the Buckos and the Cubs square off. But like I said, that's going to do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast, brought to you by Trust, proud legacy partner, 
of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home for Chicago Cubs checking in. Remember, you can download and subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can watch us on the Marquee Sports Network app. So for Andy and Tony, I'm Cole. Opening day. Ah, I can smell it. Until next time, have a good one, everybody.